welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I forgot where we were for a minute. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined as I am every week, Mr. Shane Reeves. Wow, you, you kind of abbreviated that intro. Did I? <laughs> but So, I, you want to know how the su- sausage is made a little bit? Sure. So, I, I just found out that they carry uh, Athletic Brewing Company, which is non-alcoholic beer here, which I'm a big fan of. And so I went, oh, okay. I, I was going to stop by Kroger, because your Kroger is the closest place to my house for me to get it. And so... I saw it. I was like, all right, cool. I'll do it. But as anybody who drinks beer knows, especially if you don't have one, but maybe once a week, it it sometimes repeats on you a little bit. And I, 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 I didn't hit the record button right away because I felt like I was going to burp right into the microphone as soon as I got started. Well, sure enough, about halfway through, here it comes. And so I had to get through it so that I wasn't being incredibly gross to our listener. Well, lately, nobody's been hearing the front few minutes of the podcast anyway. Hey, we got it last week. <laughs> I think it's. I think it was that card. I think that's what the you problem was. I think it was. was the card that we had. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about our cigar, and then, I w- then we have all kinds of stuff to talk about. So, as promised last week, I had a box of CAO Anacondas in my locker, and I pulled two of them out and brought for us to smoke. So, these the CAO Anaconda, Brazilian wrapper. It has a um, five different filler leaves: Colombian, Dominican, Brazilian, Braganca, and Fuma and Corda. So it's a. This cigar has been sitting in my humidor for about five years. So I'm interested to see how the flavor has changed. It was good when I first put it in there, and my theory is always a good cigar is going to get better. A bad cigar is never going to become good. I don't think you can age the bad out of a cigar. I think you can only make a good cigar better. I think it depends. I mean, in general, I tend to agree with you on that. I think part of it depends on why a a cigar is bad. If it's... You know, I do believe, though, you know, every once in a while you'll get a young cigar and it'll have that ammonia taste. No amount of aging, if they rolled it when it still had that in it, aging won't take that away. At least I've... That's what I've found to be true. If it's a little rough around the edge, it's kind of harsh, that will get better. But if it's just bad flavor, bad draw, bad anything else, no, age won't help it. My only complaint about this cigar is it's tough to light. Mm-hmm. It's tough to get it. I mean, even yours, I'm seeing it from this side, it still isn't good and even. So I'm having to make you talk a little extra so that I can get a little yeah, more Yeah, I was light. having to do that to you too. But I don't understand... Okay, why are so many people lighter insufficient? Why, why do I hand my lighter to Nobody has ever handed me a lighter, and I've looked at them and said, how do you work this? Yeah. I just figure it out. Why are so many people completely lighter? Are, is it because I don't care and I'm, I don't worry about tearing up their lighter? I assume I can't tear it up, or how I, does that work? I, I think it comes... Probably from having experienced a fair number of unique and different lighters. You'll use a house lighter. You'll borrow a lighter from somebody. You have probably 30 lighters between your house, car, and locker. None of which light ever exactly the same. But you should be able to look at a lighter fairly quickly and ascertain how it works. If I had a nickel... For every person who had hit the release on my Julius and I lost and the, flint, the flint, I, well, I'd have two nickels, which 
admittedly isn't a lot, but it's still weird that it happened twice. Well, yeah, I've had that happen to my Julius. And I don't... Why, okay, so there's a wheel there at the bottom. And all the... And the wheel looks completely out of place. Right. Anytime there is a, a functional... Or there's a component of a lighter that doesn't look like the rest of it, odds are that's to strike the flame. Yeah. And people, they... You know, I hand them my touch screen, my vector icon. And they they just sit there and they look at it. And as I open the lid and push the touch screen. And then they have to look at it again. And then they hold the touch screen down the whole time that it's... Or they try to open the other side of the lighter for some reason. Yeah. And I just... I don't understand lighter illiteracy. The one thing I do like... It, or the one thing I will give a pass for is... Half the lighters on the market, the lid opens automatically when you push the button down. And the other half, you have to do it yourself. And you don't want to be the guy that tries to lift the lid on the automatic lighter. So if you don't know one way or the other, I can I can understand you not trying to lift the lid just right off the bat. But if my instructions to you when yes, I hand you yes. the lighter include lift the lid, that should alleviate that particular no, bit it, of mystery. In that case, yes. It, yes, I agree. I mean, that, that shouldn't be a mystery much after that. Um, I like the initial draw. It's, it seems like it's gotten a little bit sharper I, since the last time I That's the term I, I would it. use, yeah. Seems like the tobacco's kind of matured a little, and it's got just a little bit, little bit more, little sharper. So we're going to go to our first article because I want to get these first couple of articles yeah. out of the way. From Fox News, which I rarely, if ever, take a look at. Not because I'm conservative or just liberal. I just, I just don't care. I, yeah. just, I think if if we got rid of Fox News and CNN both in this country, it would be great. If we could just get rid of both of them, because they're both just slanted. Just 24-hour entertainment news in general. Yeah, we could get rid of all of that and be good. Cigar lovers speak out against proposed 95% tax. And government won't be happy unless we're all smoking weed. <laughs> so, this is New York trying to go from a 75% tax, which is already criminal, to now a 95% tax on cigars. Well, to be fair, it's all tobacco products. And this is the, the issue. Anytime taxing or tobacco and regulation comes up, it's, it's what always gets under my skin. So they talk about tobacco as if vape-containing nicotine, cigars, handmade cigars versus machine-made cigars, and cigarettes are all the same thing. And, you know, they're just... They're so far from being the same thing that it really doesn't make sense that they all get pulled under the same tobacco tax to begin with. Much less, you know, lumped right. in the, with... The amount of work that goes into making a cigarette versus the amount of work that goes into making a cigar should change the definition drastically. Yeah, exactly. But it also is... It's insane that the marijuana tax in New York is 13%. And they're wanting to get 95% on the tobacco tax? Well, it's this, it's this thing that tobacco has become so vilified, and it, it comes from the big tobacco companies, the Philip Morrises, the, you know, that knew that cigarettes were addictive, but they weren't addictive enough, so they added all this crap to them and then lied to the American people about what they put in it and how dangerous they were. And so when you talk about tobacco in this country, everyone immediately thinks cigarettes. And 
so we've we've come to this idea that tobacco is an evil, evil villain, even though it's not. It was the companies making it. And now it's become really easy to alienate anybody who enjoys cigars or any other form of tobacco. What they should have been focusing on was everything except for prohibition, which was insane. It didn't. I mean, and if as you read this book, now granted, this is from a saloon keeper's perspective, right? But when you read this book and you start seeing how they got prohibition in, and then they had the trouble of enforcing it. And all because the, you know, when first Prohibition came in, nobody in Nashville got arrested for it because the police wouldn't arrest them. Right. And all because they knew it was a stupid law. And then they, when they said, okay, the state the passed. The revenue department. Well, yeah, when the state passed, okay, you must arrest these people, they'd arrest them and they'd give them a nickel fine and put them back out on the street. Yeah. So, but it just, as I look at this tobacco stuff, it kind of makes me think of, did we learn nothing by how stupid and ideal prohibition. Yeah, I really don't think we did. That's the, you know, people who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. I think that's what we're seeing here with tobacco. It's, it's, you know, the, any, any research into secondhand smoke draws dubious conclusions at best. And it, it's really hard to create a controlled environment where you can actually study it with any statistical significance. Is it harmful? Should we limit the exposure of kids and immunocompromised people? Sure. But this idea, what really, what really chaps me about this is the fact that we've, we've, we've decided that it's the tobacco itself that's the problem and not the actual smoke, which is, a, which is the part of it that is harmful. And yet now, at a 13% tax rate, the the state of New York has said, "Well, weed's fine," it, as, as if right. as if smoke isn't smoke, right? As if the the act of smoking it is not Cause, cause that's the problem. The problem. That's that, you know with the whole vaping thing. You know they had their own health problems because people were using vegetable glycerin as a binder or whatever. But yeah, you know, they were talking about well, it's still nicotine. It's still gonna no. It was the smoke is the problem. Yeah, I mean, okay, so. You want to get rid of smoke. You want to get rid of nicotine. You also, you know, if you're talking about stuff that causes long-term health problems, why don't you get rid of sugar? Right. Why don't you get rid of caffeine? Alcohol. Alcohol. I mean, so if you're after long-term health of the nation, it's just, you know, it's this next article we got. This leads right into it. CDC, majority of Americans support banning all tobacco products. Now, that statement alone should set off warning bells. Yeah, the CDC clearly has an extra grind here, and you can see it based on the way the study was written. There were two questions on this study, and the answers to each were strongly support, somewhat support, somewhat oppose, strongly oppose. The first question is, to what extent would you support a policy to prohibit the sale of menthol cigarettes? And the second is, to what extent would you support a policy to prohibit the sale of all tobacco products? It doesn't say what that prohibition looks like, what legislation, what they're looking at. Um, And it just, it's way too vague. Well, and I'll guarantee you when they're reporting the 62.3% or the 57.3% who would support a ban on all tobacco, they were counting everybody that said strongly support, everybody that said somewhat support, and half of those that cl- that said somewhat oppose. 
I don't know about that personally. Uh, I, I would like to see the source data and see how they drew these conclusions. Well, and 6,455 adults seems like a oddly specific you know, section. That seems like an odd number to me. It also says that of the people polled, 11% were cigarette users, 6.4% were menthol cigarette users, and 8.3% were non-cigarette tobacco users. Okay, so what were the other... Non-tobacco users. Okay, so 75% were non-tobacco users, basically. Right. Give, and, give or take a percent. And only 62% of, pe- of all respondents said they... So, so I, I can't do that math in my head, but let's say 12 basis points of, of data are non-tobacco users that don't support... But what this comes down to is they drummed up a study to get the result they wanted so that next time they're in Congress, they can say, well, we did a study that showed a majority of Americans favor banning all tobacco products. Well, which is interesting, too, because this was apparently done by the CDC, but I would really like to know where the funding of the study came from, because the CDC doesn't have any sort of vote. They don't have... They're a government agency, but they're not a government agency, if that makes sense. Uh, they're federally funded, but they're independent of any of the branches of the government. Somebody's going to use this for political gain, though. And I would like to, I would like to see how that spider web is woven. Yeah, this is, this is the base. This is the base of it. And they're going to try to add on from yeah. here on up. So, okay, enough about politics. Enough about that stuff. That, that stuff, I'm, I find a little seasonal depression in February anyway. Yeah. And I'll just because that's one of the reasons I booked my hog hunt in February was to kind of have something to look forward to to get me to the end of the month. And um, the so as I read stuff like that, it bums me out. Yeah. So I wanted to put something in here that will not bum me out, that will make me happy. Padrone, a factory tour and field trip. This is from Aficionado. Um, we're in the factory tour season, but before we get into factory tours... The pictures of the Padrone factory are just out of this world. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of pictures from the inside of the factories, and nothing compares to the the way Padrone seems to be set up. What is the purpose of the smock that they all wear? Have you noticed that? They're not wearing uniforms. They're wearing their own clothes, but then they've got this... You know, for the rollers, it makes sense. You can put tools and, and things in the front like an apron, but... Everybody in every one of these pictures who's working in the factory has this sort of almost it looks like the warm-up pennies that you see the guys on the side of the soccer field wearing. By being a fluorescent color. A safety thing? It it may be a safety thing. That's fair. And I I think that could be, and it also could be, hey, aficionados coming to take pictures today, everybody wear your smile. It could be that too. This This is probably not pictures from a day... You know, an everyday day at Padron. They probably, hey, clean up your area, get your spot in order. But look at this. So look at, like, the second picture down. Look at the size of the Padrones that chick's rolling. I've never seen a Padron that big. Yeah. It's got to be an 8 by 60. That's. that's <laughs> I've, I've never in my life seen a Padron that big. I'd love to smoke a Padron that big. I wonder if I wonder if that's just a matter of perspective that's making it look that big. It must be, because if you look at her hand, and can, I mean, if you look at her hand in proportion to that cigar, that's an 8-inch eight, eight long cigar. Yeah. 
So it must be because I've never seen a Padron in that size, period. Okay, if you look at the guy to her left, he's got one in his hand, and it's, I'd say that's six. Yeah, which about which is about right. That's about where a Padron's going to fall. Yeah. But what's your thought on factory tours? You know, I'd like to do one once. I, I don't feel the need to, you know, visit all of the major factories. You know, because I, I do think once you've seen one, you've seen them all. You know, Padron doesn't actually do factory tours. That would be cool. Um, I think the, the Davidoff factory would be cool just because it's Davidoff, but which I don't really care about, but it's Ashton. It's San Cristobal. There's a bunch of, of really good stuff that comes out of that factory. Uh, you know, there are a handful of, of factories that I would like to go see their operation. But I think once you've done the Perdomo tour, then you, you know how a, a cigar factory works. I don't feel the need to go to a bunch of other ones as well. Well, so the guys here just got back from the Perdomo factory tour. And the Perdomo factory tour, they said basically it was your three days of drinking from a fire hose. Oh, I bet. The information they're throwing at you is so fast and so much and so much volume that they kind of, all of them say, okay, I want to go back next year to see how much I missed. Yeah. And actually catch up to that. So I can understand that. No, no, I would like it to be a little more relaxed. I think that I think if I had, they said, Shane, you can go on any of them, I'd probably go on the Drew Estate Cigar Safari. Yeah, that one's really more geared towards the tourism than the, the nerddom. Yeah, and, you know, they take you to the fat plants, that you see everything, they take you to the factories, but then at the end of it, you blend your own cigar, and you bring a couple of bundles of your own cigar back with you. And to me, that that should be the pinnacle of any factory tour. Yeah, I think I think the AJ factory would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think you know I've, I've there's a there's a shop that I used to be a regular at in in Texas that they are probably one of the biggest Perdomo retailers in the country. If I had to guess, they've got I think four locations now, so spread out across. But they go to the factory tour every year. They send they get a group of regulars up, you know. But they put you up at their compound. They feed you. So when you're there during the day, yes, it's a lot of information. But you do get to unwind at the end of the day. And I think that part of it would be fun. Well, that was kind of the one complaint that the guys had was in the Perdomo tour, you went from the factory to the hotel. And from the hotel to the factory. And from the hotel to the airport. There was no going out and understanding any of the culture of what's going on in Nicaragua. That's got to be a safety thing. Oh, absolutely. It has to be. But it looks like they would find some way yeah. to mitigate that enough that you could do it, that you could navigate. I mean, it, it looked like, you know, it's kind of There's just like, not a whole lot of tourism in Nicaragua to be able to... Do, like, in, in the DR, for example, you could take everyone to a deemed safe neighborhood for tourists because there's a lot of tourism that still happens in the DR. Nicaragua doesn't really have that, uh, partly because of the political unrest that's been uh, present in the region for probably going on 10 years now. And so I, I feel like that has to be it. it. It has to be a liability, a safety, or something like that issue, but it looks like if I was, you know, because one of the things on the cigar safari they talk about is taking you into the town there and the guys there that make custom boots. Because they say, bring some extra money because there's people there making custom boots and 
you can get custom this build and these and you know yeah there's a lot of things like that that you can get there that you can't get nowhere else so i don't know i'm i'm not overwhelmed if i never went on a factory tour it probably wouldn't bother me yeah probably wouldn't miss it that much but it's it's interesting that it's that season and there's so many people that just kind of live for that sort of thing so let's touch this best buys of cigars before we get before we go to the break cigar journal did a list of the best buy cigars of the year 2022 now i've got the hiccups this (laughs) this list um was released January 13th of 2023, so it's not that old an article. All right. But I love the way they did it. They said, okay, so the rating of the cigar, 94 points, versus the amount of tobacco in it and what that divides out into when you divide the price by that. Yeah, price price per gram of tobacco. Right. So they said, okay, this cigar is rated a 94, and it costs... We're, I'm going to pull a number out. 79 cents a gram. Right. But That'd this, be an expensive cigar. Yeah. But this cigar rates 93, and it cost 82 cents, so it would not right. be a good buy. So I see. I love, I love this statistically. So the best buy, actually the cigar. No, you smoked the bull last week. You didn't smoke the, the, right. the egg. San Latino Connecticut Robusto, 5 by 50, was the best buy at 94 points. And the... Best Buy at 93 points, another AJ. Perdomo. The the, the Perdomo Champagne was on that. The Florida Los Antillas. uh, Absolutely. Into the 92-point rating. The La Roar 107 Nicaragua, which I'm a huge fan of. The San Latano the Bull, which I smoked last, last week. The New Worlds from AJ. The... You know, down to 91 points, you get into some Fuentes, Alec Bradley, Blind Faith. That's the one you like, right? Uh, no, I oh, like okay. the um, Double Connecticut or Double, double Broadly. One thing I'm noticing is AJ is all over this list. So, because that's what they do so well. Is AJ dominating the list because of that, or is AJ dominating the list because of the number of cigars that they're involved in? He probably is a most widely distributed blender in the world possibly so but this is but we know that aj is a is in the budget cigar category and across our whole line but you'll notice none of these are at least i'm just scanning the list none of these are the collaborations these are all aj fernandez enclave aj fernandez new world aj fernandez bellas artes um you know, they're, they're, they're core line stuff. It's not the ones that they did. Well, and you notice, you would think if you were doing this by the gram, that the, the um, Gordo would have a natural advantage. You would think so. Just because there's usually, what, a dollar difference between a Gordo and a Toro? Not usually quite that much, but, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing a handful of 60 ring gauges, the... But, yeah, but almost all of them are Toros. Yeah, which so. is and but it you know which is great for me because when I started smoking Toros as my preferred size, it was largely due to what I perceived as value for dollar, and I felt like you got the most tobacco for the least amount of price variance between size, and the longest time to enjoy the cigar. So it's kind of nice to see that validated here. 
It is. It's a it's a very cool list. I th- I like the I like unlike the CDC article. I like how they gathered this data and presented this data. I don't think anyone's ever presented a value for dollar cigar rating list like this before. Yeah, so it's a cigar journal, and I'll, if you want to go take a look at it, um, like I said, January 13th is when it was dropped, but it's the best cigar journal's best buy cigars of 2022. So before we go to the break, I pulled half a dozen to a dozen people between last week's show and this one. Nobody thought the firecracker looked like what you thought it looked like. <laughs> Are you willing to tell the people what you thought that cigar looked like now? No, I'm, I'm still I'm still waiting on more returns to come back. Okay, I'm I'm telling you, you're <laughs> losing that bet. More more likely than not. All right, but anyway, let's step away from a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about weird conversation starters. Right, we'll be back with that more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from a man who's never asked the question, how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Mr. Trey Dedman. Never would have occurred to me to do so, actually. Never. Well, you know, all of these, as we got into the new segment, the Cigar Versations, which I'm still waiting on you to submit a new name, I, when I was listening to the podcast and I heard myself say it, I said, okay, he's right, that's not a great name. I'll, I'll work on it. I, I admittedly didn't spend any time thinking about it this week. I'll work on it before next week. So part of that is I love to just type in conversation starters or hypothetical questions or anything like that in Google. Yeah. And I ended up at conversationstarters.com. Before we get into this, do you have the same ad in the middle of your page as I do? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many cookies are involved in um, you getting that question. What the heck? <laughs> and, uh, for, for some reason, Trey has a Am I Gay test ad in the middle of his. It's and because I subscribe and have the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal app on my iPad, isn't it? And mine has University of Denver, University College is the ad I have. So apparently our, our personal internet surfing profile tells two very different stories. That's hilarious. So weird conversation starters. We're not going to cover. That was a, one. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to cover a lot of these. But looking at these... The one that jumps out at me from the silly category. Do you have monsters living in your closet? I kind of like that one. In a weird way. I I don't know how to answer it. See, the one from that category that I liked was, if you joined the circus, which job would you be doing? Lion tamer, baby. I think that tells a lot. Oh, trapeze. Trapeze. Oh, no. Lion tamer all the way. And I'll definitely, definitely. I'd love s- to have a psychiatrist tell us what those two answers mean. Yeah, I would. Li- I would like to see what Freud has to say about that. And I'll definitely wouldn't want to be a clown. No, don't want to clean up the zebra crap. Wouldn't care to be the ringmaster. That seems like a lot of. Lot it seems of like yelling. a lot of work. Yeah, it seems like a lot of yelling. It seems like the 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 epitome of middle management. He just walks around loudly proclaiming things and taking credit for everybody else's hard work. 
Now, is roust about an official circus job, or is that just an overall arching term of circus guy? Circus. I think killers? it's just an overarching term. Just an overarching roustabouts. But yeah, weren't those the guys that lifted? Wasn't that the technical the term for the people that lifted the tents? Yeah, the roadies. Yeah, basically, if you if you want to break it down, um, the intrusive questions. Who was the last person you stalked, and what did you do? That's terrifying. That's kind of like the law you're asking the politician. So when did you stop beating right. your wife? What was the last thing you stole? <laughs> Who's saying I've ever stolen anything? Yeah. How much money do you have on you right now? Are we <laughs> are we planning to go back to the stalking thing? I guess so. I'm not even going to touch the gross ones. The gross nope. ones to me, I'm, I'm beyond that. I do like, would you rather be a giant ant or a tiny hippo? I'm thinking tiny hippo. I am too. Who would want to be a giant ant? Especially, and this is me overthinking it like I typically do, but I know that biology doesn't scale well. So an, a giant ant would never, it, couldn't, it would crush, it would be crushed under its own weight. Well, it'd be pretty strong, though, if it wasn't. Because, you know, right, ants right. lift like a hundred times their weight or something like that. Something like that. But, yeah, I just, um, I don't get the the giant ant. I, I like the tiny hippo, but I think there needs to be a different animal to be a giant of. But um, the fun ones. A giant chipmunk. Giant chipmunk? Giant chipmunk would be cute. That'd be good. Because, okay, so giant is such a relative term. So Let's gi- say 20 times their normal size? Sure. And then, and I've seen pygmy hippos, the little hippos, they're adorable. Yeah. And uh, they're absolutely great. Though I do feel like I got ripped off at the Tampa Zoo when all they had was a pygmy hippo. I feel like I got shorted on the hippo thing. You know what I found out recently about hippos? You know, hippos are the most dangerous animal on the planet, right? In terms of the fact that they kill more people per year than any other animal. They are strict Vegetarians. They're not even omnivores. They're herbivores. So they really just kill you because they want to. Right. They just, just territorial hate you. and mean. Yeah. Oh, great rabbit. I can appreciate that. A great rabbit hole to go down on the internet is to type in cocaine hippos and read about the oh, hippos. Escobars. And, yeah. Yeah. Read about that population of hippos that's getting out of control in South America right now. And yeah, because when he left, they basically just let them go. And yeah. now they've propagated in the wild, and now they have a, they're an invasive species in Colombia. Yeah, they found out that Colombia is hippo heaven. Yeah. There's tons of water, tons of food, and they're just absolutely and going And no natural crazy. predators. Yeah, and, they, and the locals don't necessarily want to open a hippo hunting season. And the process of neutering a hippo is so expensive. <laughs> Would you want to be that guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, first, the process of sexing a hippo is difficult, even knowing whether it's a male or female. So I've got to pull the show over. Any of our listeners that have kids will probably appreciate this, even if you don't. We're watching the show Bluey in our house, which is kind of the new kids. Sh- you know, there's always a new kid show that all the kids, are, it's like crack for kids. It's an Australian based show, it's about a family of dogs. And every once in a while, they'll throw just kind of a random joke in there for the adults. And they cut to, I just noticed this the other day, they cut to two dads talking while the kids are running around. And it just, middle of the conversation goes, yeah, no, it was totally easy. You just went in, there's snip, snip, and they even let you keep them. 
<laughs> that, that made my night when I heard that. It, it's it's funny when you see the articles where they've looked at things in classic cartoons and said, this is what this really meant. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go to the fun category, this is the one I want to talk about. How would you get rid of a dead body if you only had an hour to dispose of it? So you mentioned this right as we started recording, so I haven't had a chance to really think about it. Um, yeah, I think everybody has everybody has an answer to this question just without the time constraint, right? Because it's a typical hypothetical situation that comes up. I think it's all the time. But I th- so that actually that's kind of where I'm going. I think how you answer this question is more important than what you answer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we were talking the Powerball's up at 700 and whatever million and and I was sitting outside on Saturday smoking a cigar and one of my favorite games to play is to get on one of the real estate apps and all right, where are we moving if we win the lottery? And I send one to my wife, and I was like, this is what happens if we win the, the Powerball tonight. And she was like, don't toy with me. But, and then da-da-da-da-da-da. And I had an answer for her. I was like, no, actually, you would quit your job because then you'd sit on the board of the nonprofit. <laughs> okay, I've maybe thought about this too much. I think it's the same thing here. You don't want to have an answer like, well, first I would wrap it in a da 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 Like, you don't want to be too thorough in your explanation. So in that realm, I asked this question up in the circle while I was waiting on you to get here tonight. And one of the gentlemen, we'll call him Weekend Trey, his answers all revolved around framing someone else for this murder. All of his answers revolved around where would I would take the body to somebody else's house or to somewhere where somebody else would get blamed for this murder, which speaks a lot to him. But one of the other gentlemen on there, um, long-term Tennessean, proud historian, had an exact plan. He said, used to, they wrapped bodies in chicken wire and threw them into Del Hollow Lake. Huh. And that kept them from floating up as they putrefied the... I wouldn't think that chicken wire would be dense enough to overcome the buoyancy of a, of a body. Interesting. I wouldn't either, but apparently it worked because he said that, that he had a long story of how Tennessee history had been built around that. And I, I told him, I said, hey, I, I never doubt you when it comes to premeditated murder. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess I would have to... The, you know, we're gonna, so we're going to assume that the dead body is at your house. All right. And we're going to assume that you've got an hour to get it somewhere from your house. And I'll, I could probably find a cave on the Duck River within 20 minutes of my house that I could get one stuffed in. Do you not think you could find a pig farm closer? Okay, the pig farm thing came up. It's got to take a pig farm, pig couple of days at least to eat a body. But that's why you get a pig farm, because if you've got 20 pigs... It, 10 I minutes. still say a farm. No, got it, still going to be longer than ten minutes. Still going to be long enough. The farmer's going to notice a body in there. Maybe I, I, grease the palm of the farmer on the way out. <laughs> what, what's the standard tip rate for letting your pigs eat? <laughs> you still eat somebody. Is there a standard rate on that? Yeah, you let him keep any gold fillings or class rings he finds. <laughs> okay, but where's he going to find them? <laughs> in my, he's got to muck it anyway. In my opinion, if he finds them there, he's earned it already. <laughs> Whether you've left it to him or right. not. So, I, but the, yes, the pig farm thing came up, and I think that that was popularized in movies. Yeah, Snatch is the name of the movie where that the Guy Ritchie film 
from the late 90s. Great film if you've never seen it. Yeah, I just I thought that was an interesting question, but just a little glance into some of the questions that I turn down every week as I'm trying to put this segment together to to figure out what the conversations are going to be. All right, so let's talk about quality importers. Yeah. So QI announced uh, some enhancements to the Zycar limited lifetime warranty. You know, Zycar made a name for themselves in this industry from that unconditional lifetime warranty. And it was great. It was, a, it was the perfect way to do it because at the time, Calibri's quality was falling. Zycar's quality was top-notch. And if anything ever went wrong with it, you just take it into your local shop and they exchange it over the counter and you're good to go. It was a brilliant marketing model as well as a business model in terms of customer service. So now, um, I, don't, I don't know what the limit is. So what they've done is they've actually set up a portal on their website. So you don't even get the retailer involved anymore. You got to go to their website, fill out their sheet, fill out their form, get everything set up to send it in and everything like that. I always worry, and we, we touched on this before the show, I worry about companies that are too good at customer service. I do too. You know, famously, I used to say this about Kia and Hyundai. You know, in the early 2000s, they were the first to do the 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty when everybody else was doing three-year, 36,000. And I would much rather have a car that has a 2,000-mile warranty, but not only do I not have to use the warranty, I don't ever have to take it in for defects and things like that. You know, if you have to have a 100,000-mile warranty that I use all the time, I'd, I'd, I'm not really that interested. Well, you know, that's always been my argument when guys try to sell me extended warranties on anything, on TVs, on microwaves, cars, anything, is, oh, well, yeah, you should buy this warranty. Well, no, if I need to buy your extended warranty, this is not the right product. Especially when, uh, what are the chances that they're actually going to honor that extended warranty. Most consumer goods come with about a year warranty. You know, we bought a, a steam mop uh, the other day. Shark, $60 steam mop. It, it's going to come with a, a year factory warranty. After a year, anything that goes wrong is probably not warranty coverage anyway. Right. It's probably, it's probably from use or and just... It, wasn't designed. And with a new puppy in the house, I'm going to be using that thing three times a week. If if I have to replace it and spend another $60 in a year and a half, two years, okay, fine. Just the cost of doing business. Yeah. Well, so I've noticed that the quality of the Zycar products is not what it used to be. I've noticed that their, their quality has, the last lighter I bought from them, just the quality was not there. I have not owned a Zycar product in a long time. Since Actually, since I went to work for Calibri back in 2014. So it's been almost 10 years since I've owned a Zycar. Well, that's not true because my um, I still use that Zycar cutter. But in terms of lighters. Yeah. So I always, I'm always leery of good warranties. You know, if you buy, once you, when you buy a German pistol, a German gun of any kind, they say, well, the only thing is German customer service is bad. 
German customer service is bad because they don't need customer service. <laughs> they don't get the reps. Right. They don't have to. Yeah. They don't practice. They don't need... You don't need to call and say, hey, my heckler and coach is jamming every third round. Yeah. You just don't have that happen. Yeah. When you take your BMW in to get service, it's so expensive. Yeah. It's because they don't have to manufacture the volume of spare parts that Ford does because theirs don't break. Yeah. So just a just interesting article. So I do want to talk about while we're on this, it's been interesting to me, Calibri is really starting to come back to their seat at the table in the accessories game. And at least in the like mid to high range stuff, you know, we've got black label and vertigo that are really dominating that budget market, but Calibri's actually changed their model. And they're now doing over-counter exchanges in the retail shops because they found that it was a better customer service model. I saw a new lighter that they've got out recently that I'm really interested in. I haven't bought a lighter since I bought my Julius. It's called the Slide, and it's a twin... It's a a dual-jet torch lighter, which if I'm going to... If I'm going to buy a torch lighter, it's a dual-jet all day long. It's the only one I'll, I'll buy... The, the mechanism to light it literally slides up the face, opens the lid, and ignites a lighter. Really great design. Looks a lot like the Stealth. Look, looks a, a lot like your uh, touchscreen lighter, actually. Right. And so I messaged them. I was like, what's the MSRP on that? 79 bucks. What a deal. You know, we were talking. Actually, the Calibri rep came by here last week and left these wares. And me or Mark, neither one were here to talk to him. But he left his price list and his sheet and all of his data here for us to talk to him about it. The question is, the average customer in here, the number one thing that happens to their lighter is they lose it. Yeah, well, that's that's been the game all along. And I used to use that when I was selling Calibri because we didn't have the lifetime warranty that Zycar did at the time. And be like, look, here's the thing. You're going to pay an extra 20 to 30% for a Zycar over the comparable... Calibri. And you're doing that because you're paying for the warranty. And because they know you're far more likely to lose it before you ever have a, t- a chance to enact the, the action of the warranty. Yeah, it's it's definitely throws up a red flag. It's, this is one of those articles that maybe it's just me. Maybe the average Joe reads this article and says, oh, look, Zycar's making it easier to warranty their product. They believe in their product. Only if you don't remember back in the day when you could walk in the so- shop where you bought it and they'd hand you a new one out of the case and take your old one. Right, which they should still be doing. They should. So, covering a couple of old-timey articles. Now, from the Art of Manliness, how to help a woman with her coat. So, first, before we get into the specifics of this, what are your thoughts on these old-timey traditions of helping a lady with her coat, tipping your hat, lighting a cigarette for having given her a light. What are your thoughts on this? You know, there are certain things of etiquette that were considered chivalrous at the time, like holding a door for a woman and things like that, that I think still hold up as good manners. I'll hold a door for a man. I don't care. Holding a door for someone is a sign of good manners. Sure. I think there are some things that can be interpreted beyond the intent. Helping someone with their coat. I, it, and unless we're at the nursing home, I'm going to assume that you possess the dexterity and capabilities to put your own coat on. And I don't feel like it's going to be received as me doing a nice thing. I think it's going to be awkward. Well, 
So looking at the instructions here, it's very professional in that you just get in position when they're taking their coat off, you stand behind them, and you're basically just catching the coat. Yeah. So you go to a nice restaurant, and you're both about to sit down, and she gets ready to take her coat off, and you step up behind her and catch the coat. I can get into that. Now, helping her put the coat on, to me, kind of gets in that area. Yeah, exactly. That you're talking about. And basically, the the key thing of this, when they talk about helping a lady on of her coat, is you just hold the coat, you let her put her arms in, get it on her shoulders, then you step back, let her handle... And how creepy would it be if you're reaching in there and trying to pull her hair out of the coat? Right. <laughs> adjust the collar and all. That gets a little creepy at some point. Well, and here's the other thing. There has been... So there are several different ways to put on a coat. And I find if you ever watch people put on a coat, it's as uniquely personalized as how someone lights a cigar. Like, if you watch somebody who smokes a lot of cigars, you'll notice they light their cigar the same way every time. There's a certain ritual to it. And it, in in fact, my roommate in college was a member of a secret society that, like, wore disguises when they went out in public. It was a big thing. And I actually outed him because I watched him light a cigarette while he was in disguise, and I knew it was him because it was the same, you know. It was the way he lit the cigarette. There has been no lesson in my life that I have learned that I still use to this day with the same amount of regularity that I do than to hold my sleeve when I put a coat jacket, when I put my hand through the sleeve of a jacket. I still do it every single time I put a jacket on. I, I hold, I double my hand up and I hold my sleeve so it doesn't get bunched up. This doesn't allow for that. True. So part of the fixing and, and taking the hair or whatever, she's going to have to dig up that jacket sleeve to find her her sleeve, her shirt sleeve and pull it down. Right. That alone makes it not worth it. Yeah, I can see that. But let's... I also went to baldwinhats.com and hat etiquette. Now, I'm a hat guy. I know you're a hat and guy. And when I say hats, I don't mean ball caps. I mean hats. Yeah. I mean a nice fedora, cowboy hat, all a bowler, all of the good hats that are out. You there. would look ridiculous in a bowler. I may, I may have to try a bowler sometime. Actually, I was in here last night smoking a cigar of a guy that builds custom hats. Oh, nice. That's really, coming back. Oh yeah, the the bigger hat, the wider brim, definitely coming back. Yeah. But I asked the question in here the other day: How is the proper way to tip your hat to a lady? And I'll, because a lot of times I'll be walking the lab and I'll meet a lady on the trail and I'll make the dog sit. I always make the dog, and the dog's trained now. Yeah. When he sees somebody coming, he knows when I stop, he sits. He doesn't run up to people and scare them because he doesn't realize that he's, you know, 82 pounds of black muscle that runs up and scares people. So, and I always thought, well, it'd be nice to tip my hat. You know, my dog's sitting. I should do something respectful as well and tip my hat. So I did a little digging on how to properly tip your hat. And it's just as a simple gesture. Yeah. You just grab the brim and pull it down just a little. You don't grab it and dislodge the hat. You're just tilting the brim. Right. And it's more of a almost a salute than an actual yeah. gesture. Um, so I'm going to quiz you now, Trey. Okay. Hat or no hat? Should you take your hat? Should your hat be on or off in these situations? All right. So let's start. Let's start with an easy one. Um, when the national anthem is played, off. Right. Um, in someone's home. 
Typically off would be old school etiquette. That is the proper one. In public buildings, such as railroad stations or post offices. On. Correct. You're, you're on a roll. In an elevator of a public office building. Off. On. Uh, it, that could have gone either way. Yeah, I think the one of the defining characteristics... Well, I don't want to ruin it. i gotta finish, I got to finish asking this question. Um, in restaurants and coffee shops. Off. Anytime a meal's involved, yeah. I think, hat it, off. Well, because that's the thing. If you're seated, it should be off. Now, do you know the proper way to take your hat off? <laughs> I wouldn't think there would be a wrong way. Oh, there is. Just shaking your head violently until it dislodges itself? That's <laughs> yeah, the wrong way. That's the wrong way. <laughs> Act like a German <laughs> shepherd. <laughs> so you remove the hat, but the other person may never see the inside lining of your hat. It must always be facing out. And you must always remove your pipe, cigarette, or cigar from your mouth before removing your hat. That you one I did know, actually. Never leave your cigar in your mouth and remove your hat. That's bad etiquette. All right. Okay. Here, here's a good hat etiquette question. I can't believe we're discussing hat etiquette. I can't either because I'm not a hat guy. But I, I love it. I love I the etiquette of it. Ornaments on your hat. There's a proper way. What side of a hat should the ornaments on a man's hat always be? Right. Left. <sighs> Ladies' hats, ornaments on the right. Okay. It's kind of like bicycles. The difference in men's and women's bicycles is very subtle. The difference in the man's and women's hat, the ornament, the, if you have a feather in your cap, you must always place it in the left side of your hat. Interesting. Okay. Um, so the, you know, very, so when do you tip your hat for a lady? Anytime a stranger shows courtesy to a woman you're with, you should tip your hat. Anytime a woman who is a stranger thanks you for a service. So all of these kind of, if, if you know the lady, apparently you never tip your hat to a lady you know. It, which is interesting because I watch a lot of like period dramas and, and older, just older movies from when hat wearing was still very much in vogue and it the the movement that I kind of associate with is it's always when the guy's courting the lady or when they're still in the you know the honeymoon phase there's always a hat in hand kind of gesture it's like when he walks even if he knows her it's it's taking the hat off as a well, we're ta- and we're talking about tipping rather than removing. You, you okay. remove it, you look like a musketeer, you know. <laughs> You're pulling off. No, I'm saying just removing the hat in general. Yeah, and the now the other thing is you can't hold your cigar in your right hand and your hat in your left. You must hold your cigar and your hat in your left hand. Interesting. When you take your I hat guarantee off. you that bit of etiquette was established by haberdashers. Because you're more People likely their hat you're going to set your hat on fire and have to buy a new one. <laughs> and, well, and it makes sense because, you know, especially if you've removed your hat and you have it and the lady offers you her hand. Right. It would make sense. You want to have, have a, a hand free. free. Right. You want to have a free hand. So now I've got to go home and practice holding a cigar, a lit cigar and a hat. We'll start with an unlit one. Yeah, that's probably best for yeah, my hat Yeah, start collection. unlit. Yeah, and, work and my way up. Work your way up. That's an advanced maneuver. Now, the thing with hats... So I'm not a hat guy. 
Anyone who has seen a photo of us on our Instagram page knows that my my ears receive WKRP in Cincinnati, even though I live in in Nashville. And the the hat accentuates that. It doesn't matter how wide the brim is. It doesn't my it just it doesn't sit on my head well. The hat is made for someone with a round face Mm -hmm. because it adds volume to the top of your head and makes your face look thinner. So if you're like yourself and you have a thinner face, the hat doesn't look as, you know, you look like you're a cone head. Yeah. I wonder if a bowler would work, though, because it it would have the opposite effect. That's why I think you wouldn't look good in a bowler is because it would accentuate the roundness. I'll tell you what. One night, I'm going to get the guy that I was talking to last night. One night, we're going to get a haberdasher on here, and we're going to talk about hats. Yeah, I think so. I I definitely think we need to cover that. So tying this back a little bit, and I know we've got to wrap up here shortly, but... The thing with tipping your hat and the whole helping a woman with her coat, all of that, it falls into a unique category for me of behaviors of people I don't want to be associated with, if that makes sense. It's a, the, the whole idea of wearing a fedora has become a, a, a punchline in modern, modern society as being kind of a territory of incels. The people that say still say milady, and that, and especially since they all say they wear fedoras and they don't, they wear trilbies. But it's just such a. It's just I wouldn't ever. It it just it's a little cringy at this point. I think it's an age thing. Uh, a guy my age can get away with tipping a hat. I can get away with calling a lady darling. I can get away with a lot of stuff just because of my age and the fact that I am Southern. And the fact that you're, what, 6'2"? Yeah, 6'1", yeah. Yeah. You, you have a certain stature about yourself, whereas if I tried to do that, it would not be received well. Yeah, there's some guys that try too hard. Yeah. And that's what you never want to be guilty of is just trying too hard. You know, we, we know both know guys that just... They can't get with they can't get a lady because they can't tr- quit trying so hard. Yeah, they they trip over themselves. Yeah, nothing nothing runs a lady off quicker than the stink of desperation. And I think sometimes the hat falls into that. But I think if the hat is worn correctly and addressed correctly, it can be a, a valid part of your character. Yeah, and all and have a well worn hat. Have a hat that you've worn that you've shaped that's broke into your head. That being said, I actually do have a leather. It's kind of a. It, it, it looks a lot like Indiana Jones's. In fact, I bought it for a Halloween costume. But it's a full leather, full full grain leather, not bonded leather, that I take camping with me because it's great. And, and that's the only time I wear a hat. Oh, especially when it's raining and you're camping or you're walking through the woods and water's dripping off the trees. Yeah. Having a hat, absolutely. All right, tell me what you think about the Amazon. Yeah, this is really good. I could not have told you what it tasted like from memory. I don't know that I still could in terms of when it was new. I, I remember it not being near this good. I, I, same. It is so mellow. All of the different... I, I do remember the Fuma and Corda and the Braganca used to fight with each other. And they don't. They support each other now. And... You don't necessarily. You know that there's something interesting going on in the cigar, but you can't necessarily pick it out. 
Well, I'll, I'll put it in terms of ratings. When I first smoked this cigar, it was about a five and a half. Now it's definitely a six. And yeah. could be, I could be talked into a six and a half. Yeah, uh, 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 100%. And the other thing I think is interesting is any cigar that, that I've ever smoked that has these unusual fermentation methods utilized, like Borgonka, Enduyo, whatever, the Retro Hill is a, a beast, you know, because it's so strong. The Retro Hill on this is smooth, smooth as butter. Yeah, if you're in your local shop or you're in a shop that's out of the way and you see a box, because they quit making the Anaconda three years ago. Three or four. Yeah, and you, say see, you see a box of them, pick up a couple. Yeah. I think, it, I think I'd, I'd definitely more likely to have somebody pick up a couple now than we I would have We might have to get over to Belmede and see if they have one. Oh, man. So the so for everybody out there, I've got to tell this last story. The Bell Mead Cigar Shop is having to move. Their shopping center's been bought, and they're tearing it down. And that shop is famous for having tons of cigars and the humidor always looking like a bomb just went off. It, it, it's the embodiment of 10 pounds of shit in a 5-pound bag. Can you imagine when they start unearthing that humidor, the things they're going to find in there? I imagine they're going... I mean, now they turn over some inventory, so... There won't be a lot, but what they do find, I have a feeling, will be spectacular. Well, and it's all got the old pricing stickers on it. Yeah. Because they still use the old-timey pricing gun. So I, I would love to get a preview of, hey, we're about to clean... If they were smart, they'd say, hey, we're going to clean out our humidor, buy a ticket, you can come in here and be here to see some of the stuff we dig out of the back of those lockers where they've stored them, yeah. and of the humidor, and of the the nooks and crannies of that shop that have held cigars for years. Interesting. Something that we're, we don't have time for it. It would just be speculative anyway, but I know that the tobacco license in Tennessee is tied to your address. So I wonder how they're, are they going to have to shut down to move or would they have to set up like a second LLC to get the new tobacco license at both places to be able to have stuff shipped? That's going to be interesting, the logistics of how they move that shop. It will be because it'll be interesting to see how they have to move the inventory from one shop to the other. Right. You would, th- you would think they would do a big liquidation and right. just start the new shop fresh and out for the, for the reason you're stating the tobacco licensing. Yeah, and then how those accounts, the, you know, they've been they've had account they've been open since 04. So a lot of those manufacturers they do business with, their accounts been open that long. I may have to run up there on a Sunday and just ask Jeff that question. Yeah. Cuz Jeff usually works Sundays. I had I may have to run up there and ask Jeff that question. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious. I don't think I could communicate the question to you well enough. I probably could. You probably could. She and I get on really well. But I know I could communicate that to Jeff. I would like to know the answer. But how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and email info at the cigarcast.com. Thanks everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.